What's this? A new challenger is approaching? Hello! It's me. A new man? It's Eric. Who would be? Oh, it's that boy, Eric. Eric, welcome to After Dark. Oh, the lights are low. I feel the mood. I'm, I'm ready to vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's just a few candles lit. Um, it's tasteful. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you, and uh, we're, we're going to have a conversation... A, a conversation that we have been having slash simultaneously been wanting to put out into the ether for quite some time. Yeah, we, we've actually also very specifically had this conversation, but uh, much like a couple other things, it was lost to the abyss during the uh, transition period surrounding Hex Drinkers. That is true. That was that was a long time ago. Yes. I, I remember exactly where I was sitting when I recorded that, and that was, yeah, that was a long time ago. But we are... We're going to be talking about effects that say you win the game. So you're not milling your opponent. You're not dealing lethal damage. You just have another card that says, hey, achieve such criteria, you win the game. Notably among that, we are not including infect um, things like that that have been uh, sort of spread across cards as like built-in mechanics. Cards that explicitly and within themselves add a win condition. <clears throat> yeah, same thing with mill. Like that is a part of the game, but it's not. It's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, but before we go into that, we had a little bit, a little bit of, and when I say little, I really mean little. A little bit of news today, because apparently, the commander, uh, the rules committee, released a BNR. Eric, would you enlighten us on what happened? Uh, not only will I enlighten you, I will read for you pretty much word for word what they said there are there are several cards which are popular topics of concern on the internet such as tegrid god of fright dockside extortionist and thassa's oracle according to the rules committee none of them have reached problematic levels of play in their target demographic parentheses games governed by a strong social contract and parentheses the rules committee feels that all of them can be handled via discussion among players before a game, and that it's not too difficult to draw a line between reasonable and unreasonable uses. As our esteemed co-host today, or Chev put it today, we're leaning pretty hard on rule zero now, aren't we? We're just saying that's that's all we have to say. Yep. Yep. Actually, let me. Uh, let me. There was actually a, a clarification on the rule zero. Um, so let, let me read that just so that people understand once again where the RC is coming from. Uh, rule zero apparently, uh, supposedly, is a long-standing tradition in many games. It's the philosophy that each group is best at deciding what is most fun for them and are encouraged to change the rules within their group to make that happen. Um, they note that there is no commander police. You know, if you uh, decide that you want to bend things slightly or, or play with a slightly augmented ban list, um, no one's going to come through and uh, bust your door down and say, oh, no, sorry, no more EDH for you. Um, but also, Rule Zero does not allow a player to unilaterally announce rule changes. Uh, it's all about consensus and discussion. And um, if you sit down with a group you have not previously played with, be prepared to have that discussion and undo proposed changes if they are not comfortable with them. So that is the official stance on Rule Zero, uh, and then, of course, as it applies to the lack of bannings today. Yeah. Eric, your thoughts? <laughs> um, my thoughts are, 
what, what rule zero boils down to, uh, and I've talked to other people about this, is essentially if you're a jerk and you play like a jerk, no one wants to play games with you. And so then you need to modify your behavior, and eventually people end up playing games with you. You're rewarded for good behavior. You're ostensibly punished for bad behavior. But this system falls apart for, as big as magic is, a relatively niche hobby. The social contract of driving works because everyone has to do it. You don't drive like an asshole. Even if it's what you're doing is not illegal, you don't drive like an asshole because, you know, it's it presents a danger to you. There's problems involved with it. In Magic, there are only... If you live in, like, a relatively small area and you maybe only can put together one playgroup and one guy's like, I'm playing Thassa's Oracle combo, you can't kick him out and keep playing Magic. Like, you can't do Commander without people. And so this doesn't just punish people who are behaving badly, it punishes people who don't have access to more people is part of my problem with this announcement. Right. And I would I would tack on to that if you are, maybe you don't have an established playgroup, but you have an LGS that you can go to, you might be playing with actually several different people, different pods every week or whatever, and having to continually recheck and like, Maybe something that you did last week was drastically different from what you did this week, and people's opinions can change across time. That also seems just like not only as a pain, but also very prohibitive if you are a new player. Yeah. Um, in terms of the specific cards that they called out, Tegrid, I can absolutely understand, is a frustrating card. I have actually missed out on a lot of the discourse about why it's problematic. Um, I don't really. We don't have anyone who plays it, so I haven't seen it at its worst, so I don't feel that comfortable making a statement on it. Um, Dockside Extortionist, the best point I've seen surrounding Dockside is the Rules Committee has banned Primetime because as soon as it lands, the entire game centers around countering, stealing, removing, reanimating it. That is exactly what Dockside Extortionist does. And sure, it gives Red some ramp, but like, kind of at what cost? <laughs> Um, and then Thassa's yeah. Oracle is the focal point of today's I feel discussion. Like we, yeah, we might talk about, we might talk about that. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I think in general we were just disappointed by uh, not only their lack of action, but they're just really phoning it in, really just trying to not take responsibility at all um, by this. And... uh I don't know, I mean, I, I, we made the point that just because Rule Zero exists, we have been a playgroup for, uh, what, seven or eight years now? It's gotta um, be, And yeah. we've been playing Commander for, let's say if we've been playing for seven years, we've been playing Commander for six and a half. And we're all very good friends who have been playing together for a long time, but we've never actually done a Rule Zero because it's, it, it is very difficult to properly implement it and make it happen so i feel like you're either going to be a playgroup that uses rule zero all the time or never yeah exactly like and then them being like well now you have to rule zero constantly because assumedly you're playing with a bunch of other different playgroups and stuff uh, yeah I, once again just very lazy and i think that there's better ways to handle it because in, in generally 
I would assume that they're going to go by the ban list that's set about. So why not be a little bit stronger on the ban list, especially on these cards that are on the fringes? Mm -hmm. Like Dockside Extortionist, it, I mean, we'll talk about that as Oracle. Dockside Extortionist, just so super powerful, like you said, really warps the game. Uh, Turrid, once again, haven't seen it, but I, from what I understand, people like people just don't like getting their stuff taken, and it's just it's just not fun to play against. So I could see that being taken out for the same reason that people don't want to play against Iona. Yeah. But once again, like, why not? It's not like we're asking you to ban 30 cards, but why not, you know, why not, you know, uh, put the crosshairs on just a few select ones just to kind of provide a prompting for people, really? Even if they, like, took the approach that, uh, I forget which Magic on, or, like, uh, Arena format does this, where they'll say, okay, we're going to ban this card for now, and we're going to watch the community response come to Octos in three months. If they just said, "Oh yeah, we're going to put Thassa's Oracle, Turgrid, and um, Dockside on a suspended list. You can't play them for the next three months. Uh, assume they're coming back. However, if based on community feedback, we hear that we, you guys really like some or all of these changes, some may become permanent. Well, that's kind of what the RC in itself was doing at a point. I remember when they decided to um, unban uh, Protean Hulk. Mm. They were like, oh, because the RC in itself is, I want to say like seven or eight people. So it's like a one big play group or two pods or whatever. And they were like, oh, we've like started messing around playing with Primetime, like, or not Primetime, um, Protean Hulk. Like it's been going fine in our, our, our little meta. So like it should be good for the entire world of Commander. And I like this idea of like, oh, let's test things out, but why don't you just make like a unilateral statement and be like, all right, hey, everybody, why don't you guys have access to Protean Hulk for the next little bit? Let us know. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll test. Obviously, we'll hear tweets and shit about it. Let us know how it is. And then same thing with bannings yeah. and stuff. Why not use the entire, you know, however, like millions of people who play Commander as opposed to just one? Like, I'm going to be honest, even if it were, like, fired off into the darkness and no one checked it, if there were just, like, a Google form that came with every one of these BNR announcements, I would appreciate that so much, where I could be like, I'm glad you didn't ban this card, I'm upset you didn't ban this card, like, this is how I feel about the Rule Zero changes. Seriously. Um, yeah, it's... And, like... I understand that they're just one small group of people, but like the the weight is so heavy with this format. It's it's the most popular magic format. Yeah. Like there needs to be a little bit more. Either that or or let wizards do it cuz wizards can make you know. Wizards is willing to make power. unilateral sweeping changes. Yes, exactly. Which is I think what we need. Yeah. So anyway, better luck next time i guess i don't even know once again the rc i also i don't think even has a schedule in terms of when they ban things i think they just like come out of the woodwork every now and then do you, do you have uh they uh, release an announcement every new set so we got this announcement because coming gotcha. out neon dynasty is coming out and we get an announcement every time a new full standard set comes out i believe so like we won't get one gotcha. for uh I, I don't think we'll get one at least for, like, Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate, but we will get one for New Capenna. Okay, that's not too bad. But, alright. So, in theory, okay. if something truly problematic is printed, 
the longest it would sit is three months. However, uh, they they do make like emergency bannings, like uh, the little otter from Ecoria was like, oh, I think yeah. an off schedule ban or like was banned before it even existed. Yeah, classic. All right, so BNR in general, um, not happy, but it is what it is. Let's move on to our main topic, uh, cards that say you win the game. And uh, I realized that I wrote in our notes, oh, we should discuss what is an, what, what is an alt win con. What is, uh, oh, it's, it's just all the cards that say you win the game. So if you go into Scryfall, you type like, you know, look for text that says win, look for text that says game, uh, you're gonna get pretty much all these things. Um, like Approach of the Second Sun, you know, cast it, put it seven from the top. Once you get back to it, cast it again, you win the game. Yeah. Pretty standard. Um, some of these cards obviously don't really work in Commander. Battle of Wits, Biovisionary. Biovisionary you can make work. Hedron Alignment I think might actually be impossible to make work. Some of these cards are, are uh, clearly yeah. not designed around Commander. However, some of them seem as though they were much more intended for commander and that is certainly where they're seeing a lot of use uh approach of the second sun is a very common uh like lower budget or lower power level control win condition because it's just resolve the seven mana spell twice and keep yourself alive uh there are some great memes in there like baron glory where you know you can build a deck to go just fully wild off of this thing uh I think that one of the other more... You can try and be Chev and uh, flip 10, win fl- 10 coin flips in a row with Chance Encounter. That's true. Um, Lab Maniac is one of the more common ones, which, uh, of course, means Jace Wielder of Mysteries is equally common. But... Uh, and, of course... As you get to the bottom of the page, Oracle. you're going to see the most common one, which is Thassa's Oracle. Uh, at least at higher, level pow- higher power levels of play... Thassa's Oracle is a ubiquitous card that needs to be watched out for at every turn in terms of could someone resolve a Thassa's Oracle and win the game. To those of you who may follow the podcast and may not follow Competitive Magic or Competitive EDH, uh, there are cards that you can play and they will exile cards from your library until they find a card you name, essentially. You name a card that isn't in your library, you exile your library, you resolve Thassa's Oracle. Uh, this is inherently problematic because neither card is being sort of played as it was originally written to be played. Thassa's Oracle was meant to essentially function just as another uh, lab man or something. And it even sort of has the benefit within it of uh, if X is greater than or equal to the number of cards... I should read Thassa's Oracle for people I now realize... Thassa's Oracle is two blue for a 1-3 Merfolk Wizard. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them uh, on top of your library, and the rest on the bottom in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So, this means someone can exile their library, draw out all their cards, do whatever, play Thassa's Oracle, you can kill it in response, their devotion to blue is zero, the number of cards in their library is zero. Zero is greater than or equal to zero. They still win the game. This is not the case with Labman. This is not the case with Jace. If you kill either of those cards as someone is attempting to win with it, 
they lose the game instead. There is a risk-reward, like, steeper value proposition with those two cards than with Thassa's Oracle. Thus begins my first problem with it. It just works differently than even the incredibly powerful, highly played cards it is the most similar to, and it works differently by being explicitly better. You don't have to try and draw a card, and you have no risk-reward of losing the game. There is, of course, the detracting argument by saying, oh, well, if you can make them draw a card in response to the trigger, they lose. How many cards are you running that says target player draws a card instant speed? Not a lot. Not <laughs> Probably none, um, personally, because I hate when other people draw cards. Here's sort of one of my one of the things that I always go back to. I think it is... Cephalid Coliseum? Yes. Cephalid Coliseum is a card that no one should have ever heard of and should have nothing to do with magic. Uh, at least at the highest competitive level. It has threshold, a blue, tap, sack, Cephalid Coliseum. Target player draws three cards, then discards three cards from his or her hand. Play this ability only if there are seven or more cards in your graveyard. This card sees play at the highest level of competitive magic very specifically because... It can beat Thassa's Oracle. If someone tries to win and you have Threshold, you can kill them in response as long as you have a blue mana and Cephalid Coliseum untapped. Cards that warp the format to the point where every deck now includes a card that never would have seen play before are problematic. I would agree. And I think this kind of brings up one of the first all-encompassing points about alternative winning conditions that I, I want to bring up is that, in general, and at least up until pretty, fairly recently, I guess Labman was printed like 10 years ago, but Magic Quick's 30 years old. So for the first like 20, 20 years of Magic, alternative win conditions were um, very Johnny, very convoluted, very uh, meme -y. Even, I mean, if we're looking at something like Baron Glory or Chance Encounter. Um, Test of Endurance. They were... It, you have to have 50 life. This came before Commander. Over the course of a game, you had to gain 30 life in order to win. And, you know, it also comes on like a four-mana enchantment. That's just not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Helix Pinnacle. You have to spend 100 mana into it before you can win the game. Um the, these uh, all these cards are incredibly unwieldy. They're cool. They're cool to really go all in, but they're they're unwieldy. You essentially have to go all in on them. And um, up until relatively recently, that was the case. But now, a lot of the alternative win conditions have become uh, much more just incidental. I'm doing things that I already want to be doing. Oops, I win the game. And I think that's the biggest. Uh, complaint and, and and where I would like to steer away from, I mean, obviously, if I had like control over design, is that these should these should require honestly an exorbitant amount of effort. Yeah. To get to. I want to very specifically shout um, out happily ever after as one of my favorite alternate win conditions in the game. Yes. It is three yeah. mana. Yeah. Everyone gains five life and draws a card, so it replaces itself. All your opponents draw a card and gain some life. It's pretty terrible. 
but then it lists legitimately a paragraph of requirements at the end of which if you satisfy them you win at the beginning of your upkeep you win the game notably this triggers at the beginning of your upkeep it has multiple requirements and comes on a three mana card that is another thing that i did want to bring up is that a majority of these basically all of these like except for the lab man effects trigger on your upkeep so even if you satisfy the effects you have to make it around the table which is a which is a reason why something like felidar sovereign which says at the beginning of your upkeep if you have 40 or more life you win the game well guess what we start with 40 life in commander but this obviously has to live you know it's not a trigger like a Thassa's oracle this has to live and it has to make it all the way around the table and everyone's gonna know you have 40 life you're you have 42 life or whatever well not by your upkeep you're not because we're going to kill your thing and then we're also going to smack you for a bunch yeah. you know whereas even something like a lab man even though it's obviously more fragile than a Thassa's oracle uh that can happen at instant speed really yeah. You know, theoretically, you can make that happen on the end step before your turn when everyone is tapped out. No one suspects it. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is that these need to be, they need to be clunky, really, in, term, in order to be fair. And they need you to require to go all in, not just happen to play a, you know, a creature that is otherwise fine in the deck, you know, totally serviceable. Yeah. And like, one just really quickly back to Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After was printed in Eldering, one of the most overpowered sets Magic has seen in a long time, and it's completely reasonable. Like they know how to print reasonable alternate win conditions. I I think unless I'm missing one, the closest card temporally printed to Happily Ever After that says win the game is Thassa's Oracle. It was legitimately, they went from it was the worst to the best. It was the next set. It was a span of three months. Oh my god. And like, yeah, things like Revel and Riches and Simic Ascendancy, I don't even have as much hate for, because they have the beginning of the upkeep thing. They're passive value generation. They're incredibly strong. But you rarely see a win with them. Even when in decks that are trying to get it to trigger, you have to wait a whole turn or, you know, someone has to set you up for it in order to win with them. And that just, like, that's just so much harder than two-card Thassa's Oracle combos. You want to know what's really messed up? Hit me with it. Jace, wielder of mysteries. The, uh, the, you know. Labman Jace. Labman Part 2. Yeah. Um... So he was printed in War of the Spark, which was in the spring set. Then they had the core set, which is where uh, Golos and Field of the Dead was. Then they had Eldraine, which is where we got Happily Ever After. And then they had Theros Beyond Death, which is Thassa's Oracle. So Thassa's Oracle and Jace were within nine months of each other. I remember that happening and being like, why is blue getting this much support for this strategy? Like, this is very strange. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Labman was already a very, like, top-tier dominant strategy in competitive circles already. It it wasn't... It was prominent. I wouldn't call it necessarily, like, a dominant strategy, if only because 
with the release of Thassa's Oracle, like, we got to see what a dominant strategy looks like. Like, so many decks. True. Like, if you're running blue and black, and you're not running Thassa's Oracle, unless you have a wildly tight 100-card list, you're throwing. Like, you, you, you're actively, yeah. like, not trying as hard you're, as you're you can to win. value. Yeah. And yeah. I saw a great comment about this where it was, like, specifically about people ruining fun for themselves. And it was about, uh, like, an online magic personality who came out and he was like, you know, I used to have this deck. It was one of my favorite decks to play. I loved it. And then I realized, oh, this deck would just be better if I put Thassa's Oracle and, like, the combo cards surrounding it in. And then I grew to hate the deck because it was incredibly boring. And, like, sure, it was efficient. Sure, it won games. But I, it didn't feel like it was doing anything unique. It didn't feel like it was doing anything new. And so I dropped it, and I'm probably not going to pick it up again. And, like, that just shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be a card where you're like, oh, well, I should add this five-card package to my deck because it'll make it much stronger. And then you end up hating the deck because you made it so, like, wildly different with this five-card package. That's not how singleton formats should work. Yeah. Especially for, I mean, generally we can talk about Thassa's Oracle in like the competitive context, but even in the competitive context, that still functions off the fact that there are, yes, a much tighter range of things that you can do, but there are still multiple avenues that you can attack the format on. And we've seen with Fish that not really anymore. Yeah. It's kind of you just play Fish or you you get a participation trophy, basically. Like, if you don't have a plan in your deck to beat Fish, you're kind of throwing. And a plan to beat Fish can just be, I have free counter spells, And that's great. Free counter spells answer Fish, because you can counter the Fish, you can counter the card that exiles their library. It's both, they're both good. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not. Uh, both of the cards, I believe, that exile your library are instants, so you can cast Fish, See if it resolves, and then if it does, and they don't counter it, you can then spend your I'd like to exile my library card. This, again, is another massive risk mitigation tool that just says, oh, well, I'm not risking losing my, like, I'm not risking losing my library until if I lose it, I win. Yeah. Because. Precisely why it's whereas you know if you have something like near-death experience two triple white enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep if you have exactly one life you win the game and you do some you know shenanigans like a chev ran a selenia deck for a while and his that whole deck was basically him purposely paying life and then either trying to get to something like a near-death experience or doing like a life swap card um, but, I mean, if anything goes wrong in that process, now all of a sudden, you're at three life, and you've basically done nothing except actively hurt yourself while your opponents have been developing their board and accruing resources. Exactly. It's so non-committal, and it's so low risk. I'm going to be honest, we're at a point where I don't even care if, like, I don't care that much if fish gets banned. If we just banned the two cards that enable fish, which are... Uh, Tainted Pact and... And uh, Demonic Pact? Tainted Pact and Demonic... I think or so. Demonic... Um, 
it's definitely yeah tainted pact uh it, which reads instant exile the top card of your uh, it's one in the black instant exile the top card of your library uh you can put that card uh into your hand if it has the same same name as another card exiled this way so decks that are running this specifically has to have to run singleton mana bases that is the only committal thing you're doing which i mean those decks are already like four-ish color anyway yes. right oh some of the better ones are which you know really reduces the the cost there if it's if you can yeah because you just play because also if you're running singles in mana base you can just play the best lands. you can just be like okay sure i only need one island and one swamp because i'll run a bayou <laughs> yeah exactly you're playing all the fetch lands basically all the shocks yeah. all the duels I think, oh, it's Demonic Consultation. Ah, class. I should have known that because, oh, wait, no, maybe it was Tainted Pact. One of them got banned in, one of them got banned in Historic on Arena. You know why? Because Fish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there was, it was literally that. Um, And they were like, we're going to ban, we're going to ban Tainted Pact. And I was like, okay, all right, okay. um, okay." Just saying, just saying Fish is. Because. At this point, Magic has established alternate win conditions are here to stay. They're still being actively printed. It happens. Demonic Consultation is one in a black for an instant. Name a card. Exile the top six cards of your library. Then flip from the top of your library. If you reveal the named card, put it into your hand. Demonic Consultation is supposed to be an incredibly high-risk, one-mana, instant-speed tutor. Where you're exiling parts of your library to maybe grab the exact card you need to win. Instead, it turns out Demonic Consultation is the card you need to win, and you just do it. Uh, occasionally, in a bit of desperation, you will see people Demonic Consultation for Thassa's Oracle, and then Tainted Pact Thassa's Oracle to win. And sure, there's some risk. Maybe Thassa's Oracle's in the top six cards of your library. And if so, you immediately lose the game. Good, you deserve it. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, it's a play pattern I find incredibly frustrating and incredibly boring to play against. Because, I, I don't know, like, I love fighting battles on the stack, but when it's just the ever-present threat of a two-card combo that always needs an answer, creature removal isn't an answer... Sometimes counterspells aren't an answer because it's only two cards. They could easily have enough to win a counter war with you. Like it's yeah. Well, you're you're running all the free counterspells. They're in blue. They are yeah. too. Like it, it's a really intimidating strategy. That's very upsetting. Um, yeah. All right. I, I think we've established why Thassa's Oracle is the worst. Um, I'm just gonna put you on the spot. And does it need to be banned? Again, I think either we need to ban Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pact, which is a sad loss, they're interesting cards, or, well, actually, let's be very clear, uh, there would be almost no loss to the format by banning Tainted Pact. It is a card that relies on you having multiple cards with the same name in your deck, unless you're out there tutoring for your Relentless Rats, uh, or your Swamp. This card has no impact on the format, other than it turns on Thassa's Oracle. Banning this card is is a zero risk proposition for Commander. 
If you also ban demonic consultation, I'm fine with that. I think alternate win conditions can be interesting. I think they can be well played. And like we've said, Wizards isn't going to stop printing them. They're going to keep showing up. Um, however, I do like a fish ban better. And let me tell you why. It's spite. Not spite that I've lost to fish before, but spite for the real one, the homie. Uh, it's not even on this list because, yep, you search format legal EDH. Let me clear that and find the one alternate win condition card that has been banned in EDH. Uh, I don't actually know. Please tell me. What, what is it? Where, where the hell is it? It's, it's Coalition Victory, but I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, there's also a bunch of silver boarded stuff, oh, but like, that doesn't count. Oh, yeah. No, fuck that. Yeah, it's Coalition Victory. Um, Coalition Victory is three mana and one of every color. Sorcery, you win the game if you control a basic land of each a land of each basic land type and a creature of each color. You can double count. And that is the one so alternate the... win condition card that they have decided to ban. Is a sorcery that requires at an eight mana sorcery. Eight mana sorcery that requires at least one creature and at least two lands to be on the field. And you can disrupt this card by removing either any land type in in its entirety if someone's got a triome and that's their only mountain and you ghost quarter the triome they they've spent eight mana you can let the spell resolve and it does nothing um alternatively if they're trying to attempt this by like they just have a chromanticore on the field and you kill it you let the spell resolve it's an eight mana sorcery do nothing this is the most clear example of a signpost ban. We don't like what this card does. We don't like how it shapes the format. And it's stupid. The card should be That's my... unbanned a hundred times over. That's my biggest thing is like... That is like one of the least effective and like... For anyone concerned, it doesn't include color identity, by the way. If you have a commander who's technically a five-color commander, like Sissy, uh, Sissy, like Weatherlight Captain or whatever, the one with the five-mana activated ability, um, or yeah. General Tazri is a great example of five-mana activated ability, uh, that doesn't count. Yeah. That's only a white card. Um, because color yeah, identity came exactly. after this. Like, th this card is so hard to win with. <laughs> I, I just... I'm, like, at the point where if you, like, resolve an 8-mana spell properly, I just feel like you 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 should, like, basically win the game right there. Yeah. You know what, like, like you know what else is an 8-mana spell? Frickin' Insurrection. Yeah. You know what's a 6-mana spell that oftentimes wins games? Fucking Savala Stampede. Absolutely. Or, like, there, there's... We, we have reached the point where if you get an absurd amount of mana... Yeah, you probably deserve to win because you just you have the most resources. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I, just, I don't get that, and I think that's that's what bugs me is that there are these cards on the ban list, especially especially when it comes to like alt win conditions. That it's just like you're you're really making the wrong point. Here. Yeah, and and you're you're also being fairly hypocritical because you're like, okay, this is not something we want. But this other card that's way easier to do the same thing with is cheaper, can go in more decks, 
no, it's fine because it's more recent. People like people I, are I guessing like... it. I don't. I'm. I'm truthfully. This is something where I, I know they're not out there listening. If anyone at the rules committee plays a Thassa's Oracle deck like in your guys' pod, I would love to see it. I want to see what you're doing with this card and how you're testing it and how you're making sure it's staying reasonable and balanced. Because I. I, I love you all, and I love the format you created, but I don't believe you. <laughs> I think another thing is that, like, I once I, I don't believe you if you're like, oh, well, I have, like, a mono-blue, like, uh, I don't know, mono-blue devotion deck or something, and, like, Thassa's Oracle is just a great way for me to, like, arrange the top of my library, and it's, like, two devotion. Like, no, you're, you're, you're lying to the entire world. There, this is a an easy to enable card that says you win the game, and you're going to tell me that you're going to use it for the the mild upside. The first sentence for scry that's like, hey, devotion to blue, essentially. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I just can't. I can't believe that. I, I can't let that be a statement that stands. Yeah, and like the the other thing about it to me is, if you're going to make a signpost ban, sure, I get it. Ban the worst card. Which is probably Coalition Victory. Because you're saying, we don't like this, but we're not going to ban all of it, because that's not our decision. It is your decision, you write the format. That is literally your call. One of the most radical takes that I... I don't know if I can still defend, but there are days when I definitely still feel this way, is that the Rules Committee should essentially add a rule to the Commander format that says, if an effect would cause you to win the game... Other than all of your opponents being eliminated, you don't win the game. That was kind of the next thing that I wanted to get onto because we've we've discussed some of the most problematic alt win conditions. Basically, it's do uh, we've also kind of accepted that wizards will continue to print alternate win conditions because magic players are magic players and they just like that sort of thing. But should are they something that? We should just, yeah, make a rule. Should we should we just ban everything that says you win the game? It, like, if, if you're not milling your opponents out or dealing lethal damage either through combat or through uh, commander damage, are, are we... It, it, should we just nullify that from the format? Should we ban all these cards? Should we just ban the problematic ones because we know that no one is out here playing, uh, you know, Hedron alignment or whatever? Um, what, what is the path forward? Or at least what is your take on the path forward? Yeah. The best path forward. I, I definitely... I'm interested in the idea uh, of what I presented, which is essentially, like, stifle any trigger that would cause you to win the game. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, like, counter any activated ability or spell that would cause you to win the game. Essentially just, these cards still work. In your devotion to blue, mono blue deck, Thassa's Oracle still look at the top... X cards of your deck, put one on top, put the rest on bottom, you still get that, that two mana one three card selection value. In Revel and Riches, your mm -hmm. mono black deck still gets to ramp based on creatures you're killing, which is incredible. It's a very effective card without the bottom line of text. Yeah. Simic Ascendancy is still a consistent way to, you know, pump out mana, put counters on creatures. All of this still works. Mechanized production still four mana, copy an artifact. I was just going to say, me Mechanized Production is probably probably my favorite of these Hellkite cards. Hellkite Tyrant, also. Um, Hellkite Tyrant, very cool. I, I don't like Hellkite Tyrant as much, just because I've definitely lost to that card multiple times, and also it's just stolen my shit a bunch yeah. of times. 
so I'm a little salty towards it. But like, I just like mechanized production um, as a card, and like, I, I either have won or almost won a game with it at one point. But um, but yeah, still like a fine card. It's just like, yeah. yes, I would like to have a worm coil engine every turn. At, at in your lower cost decks, um, or maybe not lower cost, but lower power decks, uh, Triska Decafile. Two mana, one three. You have no maximum hand size. You can pump four mana into it, draw a card. These are all great cards that, you know, play well. They just don't need to win you the game also. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to take some L's out there. Your, your near-death experience deck will be sacrificed as a part of this. But instead, maybe throw some burn cards in there and switch it to a life swap deck. You are already clearly prepared to pay a lot of white mana and a lot of mana in general for a win-the-game effect. Just start swapping people's life totals around. It'll be more interactive. It'll feel more potent. The number of games that I've seen end to um, alternate win conditions, they always feel bad. Even in lower power pods, if someone, you know, maybe they're on a Selesnia life game deck. And it's turn four, and they stick a fell at our sovereign. And just no one can find an answer in time, and the game ends. Like, you feel good about that if you're the guy who stuck the fell at our sovereign the first time. But, like, if you if you do it again, no one feels good. And everyone across the table feels bad, because you didn't kill them. You didn't eliminate them from the game. You didn't, like, really outplay them. You ramped, played a card they didn't have an answer for, and then they lost. I was I was thinking that as as you were as you've been saying I was thinking like I know earlier in the cast I was like oh these these alt win conditions you know they should feel like you know you really have to you know build build your deck around them and like go all in and like really you know pump a lot of resources into making this happen and it should feel really cool you know it should feel like you're like you know assembling Voltron and stuff but like I, it doesn't yeah. like when when whenever I lose to like. Like, when I lost a Hellkite Tyrant, I was like, yeah, okay. I guess. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll play another, like, we'll, I mean, we'll play another game, but, like, you know, can I have my cards back? Yeah. You know? I think I've only ever won yeah, an alt-win-con one time, and it was Mael's Aria. I got a 14-14 Marath, and on my upkeep, uh, I think it was 13-13 going into my turn, but it was, like, exact. I felt very cool. Um... On my upkeep, you know, put the counter on, you got the Miles area, trigger on the stack for the 20 power one, become immense, plus six, plus six, delve a bunch of cards away. It felt incredible. And I look up, and both of my friends are like, ugh. This was my college playgroup before we started playing much more powerful decks, and they, they were both just kind of like, that sucks. Like, we don't have removal. You, I, I, I guess, yeah, you win. It... it it feels like even on the ones that are harder to work for, it should be more climactic. Like, if you were playing on Arena, some big animation should play, and you get to see, like, a bunch of cool stuff happen. Yeah. But instead, you see your friends, and they're like, all right, that's cool for you, I guess. Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, like, I want, like, little balloons, like, popping, you know, like, the little streamers and shit. I'm like, look look, look what I just did. Look at this. I, I did the thing. I have, like, you know, and, and Miles Ari is, like, one of, like, the... Like the most uh, obtuse uh, kind of ones, so 
yeah, it should. It, I mean, you were excited explaining that story, and then you were like, and then after I was excited, I realized that no one else was I having any fun. Yeah, I, I, I will take this card out of my deck yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's honestly a shame because they should. I don't know. I, I wonder if there's like some some uh, like data or something, and that's why there's only you know twenty seven of these cards that exist is because Wizards is just like, oh, people don't actually like this. I don't know. I think it's a game an issue where like. If I weren't playing against my friends, like, if I did that shit in a store, I, w- I would not care how upset those people looked. I would be like, this was cool as hell. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, 100%. But because Magic is such an inherently social game, and, like, they emphasize the idea of the social contract, none of my friends needed to say anything about what happened there. I immediately understood from the interaction we had across the table, this is not something that's welcome at this power level and in our playgroup. And I was like, cool, I'll take that win and take the card out. It's how it goes. Yeah. But not everyone's like that. And some people are just assholes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, and also, and I mean, you know, circling back to Fish, CDH is, is much less focused on the... Enjoyment of everyone at the table. Hey, we're... Well, I think... Oh, yeah, that, that's a... Theoretically, that's a I guess. It, enjoyment is still everyone a goal, but it's not the priority. The priority is let's play the highest power level magic we can and have fun while doing it. It's not let's have fun right. and... And, and also... And also, um, people are deriving the enjoyment from trying as gosh darn hard as they can to win yeah. the game, right? Um, obviously... Winning the game is the best, but if you're still playing at the power level, you're playing all these super powerful cards that you want, and you played well, then you, you're enjoying that as well. But that's a very small minority. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I wish that the R I wish that the RC uh, just people in general would, like you said, they 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 would just kind of read the room, understand exactly the reaction like your friends had, and then just be like, okay. We, I will take this win, and now we will remove this card from the deck or from the yeah. format. You know, I, I want to point out. I'm gonna really quickly get back on my soapbox here. Please, the rules committee has emphasized they want the game to be fun. They want to enable cards that go to the long game. They recently unbanned World Fire just because they they want to drive home this is a format about big stuff and about feeling good about why playing. is coalitions why is why is coalition victory still banned if we're unbanning world Fire? a exactly b if there's any card on this entire page that you look at it and you're like oh god no it's celestial convergence this is a card that explicitly includes the words the game is a draw on it i've never seen this card in my life it comes into play with seven counters on it. You remove one at the beginning of each upkeep. Once there are none on it, the player with the highest life total wins the game. If two or more players are tied for the highest life, that's right, you don't even have to be involved in the highest life total war, the game ends as a tie. So you could show up to your local LGS with a deck <laughs> purely lock, stall, no one can do anything, you know, run some of the cards that's like, oh, your life total can't change, run some Tree of Perdition, really set people's life total to numbers, and then just be like, 
oh yeah, uh, because the highest life total was 40 between me and this other guy who hadn't gotten hit, uh, no one wins. Um, have a good night. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I, I, I need to, hold on, I need to pull up the freaking ban list because when I see cards like this, I don't understand why that is legal or that is legal. And then something like um, Sway of the Stars is is banned. It doesn't make sense. At least at least Sway of the Stars, we're still playing. We're still playing the game. Someone's going to win. And this is a 10-mana card. This is a 10... Yeah, because everyone's life total becomes 7. It's so much easier to kill from 7 than, oh my God. you know, 50 or whatever we're at with a... I, I mean, I don't want this to devolve into just, once again, the boys critique the uh the ban list but like i mean that is a card that says you can win the game and it is just the worst yeah. like of, of all the cards i think that like the rules committee should play a, a game where like everyone tries to like one one person signs up to be the heel and be an asshole and they're like oh my god if someone tries to be a a dick with this card like you can't stop them. They will ruin your evening <laughs> and then be like, oh yeah, get that out of the game. That's terrible. <laughs> I just, like, literally when, there shouldn't be a draw in the game of Magic. There should not, like, I understand that technically, like, both players draw on an empty library. How do you settle this? Okay, it's a draw. But a card that literally says, hey, a draw is like an option that we can actively get to. <laughs> you can pursue this. Why? It's insane. Yeah, there, we could collude. We could collude. What if you and I have the highest life total, and we're just like, you know what? We're, you know, we come through. We're like, we're buds. We're like, oh, we just want to get these two randos at our LGS. Let's fuck yeah. them up. Like what? Yeah, ridiculous. Um, I. Oh my god, these are just. Yeah. All right. I will say, I'm surprised we don't that like things like. I'm surprised that things like Mortal Kombat and like uh, Epic Struggle don't see more play. I feel like those would be way easier to get off. I feel like the difference between 20 creatures and infinite creatures is too small. So why wait for an upkeep, like an upkeep trigger on an enchantment when you could just play Crater Hoof? When you could just play Crater Hoof. Like you could, you know, I make 20 1-1 Saprolinks with Morath. Okay, why am I gonna? Yeah, and just actually, and just actually. Yeah, like, why am I gonna play Epic right. Struggle Wednesday? Yeah, I could play Crater if I could play um, like the worst form of Crater if I forget it's the Eldrazi Decimator of Provinces. Um, mm. like th yeah, there there are just better things to do at that point. And then the same thing with Mortal Kombat. Sure, Mortal Kombat is an enchantment that will win you the game at the start of your turn. You know, it's way better. Rise of the Dark Realms. Yeah. And like. It's one of those things where, like, these cards will just get outmoded because of fun. Because everyone at the table will be like, that was pretty cool when you played Rider of the Dark Realms. And, like, you had the Haste Enabler in your graveyard from earlier. And you swung out and you killed everybody. That was sick. And then that same conversation doesn't happen if someone's like, that was pretty cool when you played Mortal Kombat. And then milled yourself for, like, 60 and then took an extra turn and the game ended. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, well, for Mortal Kombat, I guess I didn't think about it like that, but <laughs> just, yeah, just played Demir self-mill yeah. and 
just do it. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, I see, I, I always, I guess the fact that I don't have any decks that play these cards is... It the, speaks to their, like, like the, either their quality, their fun value, or both. Yeah. I would say generally quality. I think there's some, you know, especially if, like, I have a Biovisionary in my, you know, Simic clone dot deck, and it's like, oh, every now and then I'll just be able to pull off this cool thing, but it's like I'm not, I'm also just playing, doing Simic yeah. stuff and making clones and shit, you know? Um, and we've, we've talked about the virtues of, of clone dot deck before, but yeah, but yeah, then something like Simic Ascendancy is, you, you gotta, you, you're working, you're, you're centering your deck much more around it. But. Anything else you want to add to the conversation? Any any thoughts you have about what we should do with this uh, this batch of trash and treasure? I... No, I I think that we probably I think that probably Thassa's Oracle needs to go. I, I understand like the the oh just get rid of um tainted pact or whatever, but I feel like there's even though it's not going to see that much play, I feel like that is still a card that functions and like you could use it to do a thing whereas Stasis Oracle like I said I do not believe you if you just tell me you're putting this in your deck to your mono blue devotion deck something. that's not real yeah literally yeah literally like you're just and in the fact that it has proven to be such a problem um I, I think it's just gotta go um especially since decks in general are getting more powerful and this is just gonna continue to show up in decks that were previously sixes and sevens and such and i just yeah you know. I, I want less the people to them, have that I... experience where they're like oh like i ruined my own deck by realizing that Thassa's oracle was too good not to be in it i don't want more people to feel oh, that yeah. way yeah for sure the rest of them i I want to say that I wish they saw more play because so many of them are just so bad and it would be cool to have a deck that tried to build around them. But then once again, we establish like the second time you lose to Maze's End or something, you're just going to be like, all right, well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess my, my biggest question is if Thassa's Oracle goes, does Jason Labman become... Jason Labman, I think, obviously won't be nearly played as played in... Uh, Thassa's Oracle decks. Or some of them. Right. I I'm wondering if taking Oracle out, is that going to uh, kneecap those decks enough that, yes, occasionally people will beat you by playing Maniac, but it's not going to be just nearly so powerful and so ubiquitous? Uh, or will they still be a problem? And do we just need to get rid of this? Do we just need to axe this whole, hey, the whole act of just like putting your entire library in your graveyard and then just like giving the thumbs up? Just let's not do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then do we need to talk about banning like Hermit Druid and stuff like that? But that's more of a CDH uh, consideration. Whereas I think Labman it, sees enough play is in it Hermit Druid regular banned? EDH. Oh no, uh, bio uh, bio conversions or whatever is banned, but Hermit Druid's not, right? Biorhythm. Bio why why is Biorhythm banned? Stop. Just stop. Is, that's another card that basically should say win the game. On it, it's banned because like, you could Wrath, resolve a Elvish Mystic, and then play Biorhythm and win. <laughs> yeah, it's also a 9-mana Sorcerer. I don't know, maybe I got 20 mana and shit to do. 
then fine. Like once again, I'm like if you if you're like I have ten mana and I'm gonna resolve a, a card that costs like eight plus mana, I'm like all right, yeah. Like if we can't do anything about that, then yeah, you, you deserve it. You, yeah. you got it. So, all right. Uh, final thoughts? Are we, we I'm good. It? We're good. I I feel I've said my piece and. Uh... People who vehemently disagree with me because you think your Thassa's Oracle deck is God's gift to the world, um, feel free to send me an You're email, wrong. but you know where it should go. <laughs> and with that, I think it's time to go to bed. <laughs>